0: we saw uh, the individual barricaded in the floor with a 12-gauge shotgun pointed at the door. And so now it was a question of how do my partner and I get out of this common hallway and um, get to safety. We started calling for additional help. It's a New Year's Day, 10 inches of snow, cold, one of the coldest days on record. And um, so I basically had to jump across the threshold of the door, kick open the door, and um, take a position behind the door
1: Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. And my name is Benjamin Rangel, and today we have a guest host.
2: Hey everyone, this is Eduardo Castro, longtime listener, first time guest host.
1: And it's great having you on the pod, Eduardo. So, Eduardo and I had the privilege to interview Ernell Lucas. Who's a candidate for sheriff in this upcoming partisan election on august 14th but before we get into some of the introductions of the episode i just want to make a quick note and remind our listeners that bridge the city is a non-partisan organization and this is no by no means an endorsement of ernell and in fact we reached out to him originally for our upcoming episode on policing Uh, he has some experience as you'll hear in police force so again this is not an endorsement of his campaign or or the party But we do have a few other candidates running, Eduardo, is that the case?
2: Yeah, so in addition to Ernell Lucas, um, acting sheriff Richard Schmidt is also running, as well as Deputy Robert Ostrowski. So there's going to be three candidates in the August 14th Democratic primary for sheriff. There is not a Republican candidate, so the winner of the Democratic primary will be the sheriff come November. Exactly right.
1: But with that said, we spoke with Ernell at his campaign office in the Third Ward. Eduardo, do you have any initial impressions you want to preview the audience and our listeners with?
2: Ernell has been intimately shaped. He's been forged by his experiences here in Milwaukee, both growing up here, uh, being a Milwaukee police captain, and having a lot of family here. And so for me, this is a person who, as, as I'm sure people on the podcast would agree, he reps Milwaukee very well.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. He's just in the way he speaks about his city and his experience. You can tell he has a lot of pride, which, as you all know, Bridge City has a lot of pride in Milwaukee as well. Uh, for me, you know, Ernell is a storyteller at heart. You'll hear this there's uh, a lot of stories to tell share with our listeners so i'm excited for you all to hear them and yeah it just stuck out to me i mean as an interviewer somebody who's interviewed dozens of guests now everyone has a little bit of a different style when it comes to like answering and responding to questions and i thought it was just interesting the way Ernell responded to a lot of our questions about his experience and his um, influence and, and the things that have influenced him and he answers them first with stories and then later ties them back with how it's applicable to the question so you'll you'll get to hear that soon Um, is there anything else you want our listeners to know before we jump into the interview this is a
2: great podcast and I think our listeners are really going to
1: enjoy it well I have to agree with you especially on that that point about the podcast Um, so without further ado here's Ernell
0: I was born here in the Hillside Housing Project uh, which you know historically uh, in the 50s a lot of the families that migrated from the south, seeking better opportunities uh, for their families, moved north and settled into um, the Hillside Housing Project. Uh, Born in the actual project, didn't make it to the nearby hospital. Shortly after my birth, uh, my family moved up to uh, what is the west side uh, where Dr. Martin Luther King Park is currently. And after the proposed Park East Freeway and the disturbances in 1967 came, Forced a lot of families to um, migrate to other parts of the city. Blacks were starting to move further north. And uh, my family moved to Second and Burleigh, which is now the Harambe uh, neighborhood. And it was there my formulative years took place. I was um, at an early age, uh, age 11, I lost my mother um, in 1969 in a grandmother who raised four children of her own, who my mother came here from. Uh, a small town outside of uh, Birmingham, Alabama, to raise three young boys, me being the youngest. And um, grandma taught values, of hard work, dedication, mm-hmm. commitment, and uh, that's where uh, I began. I had an encounter at about 12 or 13 in which I was going to a grocery store for my grandmother when a police officer pulls alongside, white police officer pulls alongside, and uh, he never gets out of the car. He rolls down his window. He said, hey, kid, you stole a woman's purse. And He said, no, sir, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. And I said, sir, I got a note. I got $20 for going to that grocery store right here on this corner. And um, he said, well, I'm going to run you over and have this woman identify you. And I said, sir, you can do that. But if she doesn't identify me, would you run me back over here to this grocery store? Because grandma's going to be pretty upset about getting these groceries home. And in a moment, that officer sped away. Never even said another word, never got out of the car, nothing. Um, and I think he figured this has got to be the most naive 12, 13-year-old kid uh, in Milwaukee. Let me get away from him before some of that gets uh, rubs off on me. But it was also in that very moment that I knew what I wanted to do with my life because it was in that moment that I saw the awesome authority that a police officer has. When we think about the encounters that uh, police officers have today with young men and women of color, the outcomes are a lot different than the one that I just alluded to. And so I knew that began my curiosity as to the profession and wanted to um, uh, become a police officer. So it was in my senior year in high school, I attended Milwaukee Public Schools, um, was a graduate of um, Rufus King High School. But it was in uh, my senior year that a recruiter came from the police department to the school. And upon graduation, I taking the exam for um, what is known as police aid, which is a, uh, a, a cadet position. You do clerical work until you turn 21 and then you go to the academy. But long, uh, long and short of them, um, I take the exam. I place uh, very well, in fact, number one on the list. My first day and my first assignment is district number five, which is on 4th and Mochis and roughly about a half a mile from the home where I grew up on the corner of 2nd and Burleigh I'm coming into the uh, assembly at uh, district number five. And one of the very first people I meet is that officer who stopped me as a young boy. And I walk up to him and I ask him that question that none of us like to be asked. And that is, do you remember me? And he kind of recoiled and like, well, no, I don't, I don't recall. <laughs> but I told him, I said, sir, it's because of you that uh, I was inspired to join the uh, law enforcement. And um, it it's really uh, was, you know, inspiring to me that, you know, you could have done anything you chose with me, but here I am. Uh. And so it was with that uh, that officer and his brother, who's also on the job, and I are still very uh, good friends. They're from different sides of the city, German, I'm African American, but we share a common bond. And that is to serve and protect this community. So that's how I got my... Uh, beginning uh, in law enforcement.
1: So I think there's often some confusion between uh, sort of the responsibilities of the Milwaukee Police Department versus the Sheriff's Department. Just for those listeners who might be thinking, what is the role of a sheriff? Could you talk a little bit about like how is the uh, sheriff unique from the police department? And then maybe what is some innovation or reform you might bring to the specific responsibilities of the sheriff's office?
0: Well, the sheriff is a constitutional uh, position, the sheriff itself. is elected by the people, obviously, here in each uh, county across the state. And the primary core functions of the sheriff's department are five. Uh, the courts, the airport, the jail, the parks, and the freeway systems. Those have always been primarily the functions of the sheriff's department, whereas the police are responsible for the day-to-day policing in the city of Milwaukee and in those other respective 18 municipalities comprising Milwaukee County. I think uh, some of the things that we've got to do to advance uh, law enforcement here in Milwaukee County is one, um, we've got to reestablish our partnerships. One of the things that I thought worked very well here in Milwaukee County many years ago under previous leaderships was the collaboration that took place and um, it's something that as I have had the benefit now working at baseball for the past 16 years. When I go to other municipalities, when we're putting on our events, such as All-Star Games and World Series, you see how municipal police departments and the sheriff's department collaborate in some instances, and it almost looks like a hand in a glove. That's how well it fits. I hope to bring back that type of collaboration partnership here in uh, Milwaukee County because it's been missing under the uh, leadership of the previous sheriff and his administration, which the current acting sheriff was a part of that. I hope to bring uh, technology to the sheriff's department, to law enforcement. Um, for example, we were just out tonight in Greenfield talking with um, police chief and some of his uh, members there, and they were talking about some of the equipment that they use, and uh, part of it is obviously drone technology. It could really help save lives as it relates to putting uh, officers in danger. So we've gotta be able to introduce that type of technology and uh, not be intimidated or afraid of it. Again, is uh, not gonna solve all of our issues, but we sort of we gotta have an open mind. Body cameras is a subject that's talked about a lot in um, around this country, and um, I'm a proponent of it, have been for many years have said I liken it to the modern-day Miranda, if you will. Miranda, when it was came about in 1964, was viewed by law enforcement as, oh, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. How can we give an individual his or her rights and get a confession or get a statement from them? Well, I think both of you sitting here right now would agree that Miranda didn't turn out so bad after all and we have the finest system of jurisprudence in the world. So to me, uh, I think we did well by that. Body cameras have, to me, the same effect. Uh, while I know law enforcement and the rank and file views it as too much uh, peering into what it is that we do, uh, me as a manager, as a leader, see it as, no, it only makes it more transparent to the public, the people that we serve, what it is that we do. Thus, I think it's going to be uh, a beneficial tool. We've got issues as it relates to body cameras. We also have got to find a way who controls the on and off switch. Uh, We've heard in many instances of incidents around the country where uh, at the moment uh, when you need that most critical capture that critical footage there somehow, some way that uh, camera was turned off and thus uh, that, that, that that footage was lost. So we've got to embrace that. We can use environmental design and day-to-day law enforcement something that the sheriff wouldn't have um, the most experience with. Uh, but when we go out to do assessments of buildings, when we go out and do assessment of neighborhoods, we say these are the things, whether it's shrubbery, whether it's fences, things like that, that you can enhance the security around your complex, your facility. So same thing with the design. Can we re-engineer, redesign off, on an off-ramp such that, that again, uh, we're utilizing the technology and other things like that, the design and other things available to us. So when it comes to what introductions I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring a wealth of experience not only from my law enforcement experience, but also in baseball, uh, where, again, uh, we use analytics uh, in day-to-day in baseball now. Um, and again, I know it's, it's creative, it's innovative, but again, we've got to stay ahead of the curve just like they do in any other industry, or you'll fall
2: behind. So one of the other areas that falls under the jurisdiction of the Milwaukee Sheriff are our parks. We're sitting here today over the weekend, there was um, incidents of gun violence in some of our parks. What would you do as sheriff to ensure that our parks stay safe and address gun violence in those areas?
0: Yeah, I one of the reasons that I ran is because I saw that uh, our parks didn't have the um, coverage that it once had uh, back in the days uh, when I was doing uh, policing here in Milwaukee. Uh, certainly, the first thing we got about 150 parks here in Milwaukee County, and, and they may be the jewel of. Of Milwaukee. I mean, when you go to some of these parks, they're just absolutely beautiful uh, places to go and enjoy. Your family, fly, kite, you know, whether it's uh, swimming or other things like that. So we've got to protect those jewels and those assets that we have. Obviously, with the uh, resources at the Sheriff's Department declining over the last several years, we saw a decline uh, in the um, coverage at the parks. Well, one, I'm going to be an advocate for restoring coverage for troll enforcement back in our parks We see a high visible presence along Lincoln Memorial Drive and at Bradford Beach, but go to any other park throughout Milwaukee County and you don't see that kind of presence. And when you think about the incidents, not only did they have one incident of a shooting at Washington Park at a church picnic, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Hours later, there was another shooting that occurred at Washington Park. So it's obvious that we need to have more patrols in our park. But one of the things I've been a proponent of, much like we do in day-to-day policing and uh, uh, the municipal level, is Neighborhood Park Watches, where we're bringing those institutions, like I mentioned with Marquette and with Mar- uh, Mass Lark Harley Davidson, where you're bringing neighborhood partners into uh, the equation. Other law enforcement agencies, whether it's governmental agencies and the like. And like I say, we can uh, use technology and other things like that to bring to the table to keep our park safe, to keep our park a place where seniors can go uh, for a walk and feel uh, secure and where young people can go and play, like I did when I was a young uh, boy. So, and I know what people say, well, you'll you'll increase your numbers during the summer months, but what do you do with all those numbers uh, in the winter months as well? But don't be misled that there's not activity that goes on in parks in winter months. It's just a different type of activity, and there's still a need for uh, a presence and a patrol there. So, I'm hoping that I could come in and advocate, be an advocate for additional resources so that we can protect our jewels, protect our parks, but more importantly, protect our people. So that I'm confident in my ability to work with the electives here in Milwaukee County and certainly the people to keep our neighborhoods and our parks safe.
1: How has your experience prepared you to be the sheriff? In
0: 1992, I had just taken my first promotional exam. And became sergeant in uh, early 1992, and was assigned to the near south side. And uh, then in, a, in in August of 1992, I received a call on a Saturday. I remember I was in my yard uh, cutting my lawn, and my daughter comes running out and uh, says, "Dad, yeah, I telephone." I said, "Who is it?" She says, "The chief." I said, "Oh Lord, chief calling me on a Saturday at home. I done something really bad, guys. Okay." Um, And I was like, whoa, (laughs) okay, so obviously run in and, sir, you, Ernell, yes, Chief Ariola, yes, sir. Uh, Ernell, I'm looking at making a, heading to my staff, and uh, some of my commanders tell me that uh, you're an individual that uh, would do well in my staff. Well, yes, sir, glad to hear that. Uh, What can I do, sir? Well, report to my office on Monday. When I walked into the office on Monday to learn that I was joining the Office of the Chief in the Public Information Office. My duties were, obviously, to inform the uh, media and the press of the the day-to-day business of the police department. But more importantly, uh, the role that I was being brought in specifically was in 1992, uh, the trial of the two officers who were fired in the aftermath of the Dahmer atrocities were uh, to begin. and. There was a PIO that covered the day shift, but not one at night. And I was selected to be the PIO who would coordinate with the media, coordinate with the Fire and Police Commission staff. And so thus was my responsibility. So uh, for the trial took place for over a month in October of 1992. And both of the officers were acquitted and both got their jobs back. It was there uh, that I kind of developed myself a little bit and Got myself known to the chief in the administration, so I continued on in the public information office, uh, and continued on and <laughs> continued on. Before you know it, I had been there up to the through the, the tenure of Police Chief Ariola, who left and went became chief in another another uh, city. And when a new chief, uh, chief of police, came in on the very first day, he reassigned his the entire staff. Of uh, the previous uh, police chief, except myself, by noon on that first day, and because I had had a relationship with him, and you know, figured okay, he wants to break it to me gently, but instead uh, we go out to lunch. So we're riding around after lunch, and he's telling me all about his vision. I said, Chief, listen, you know, we're friends. I know, known you for years now. I respect you. I'll do whatever it is you ask me to do. So just tell me where I'm going. He said, What? I said, Well, tell me where I'm going. You sent everyone else far afield on day one what's my assignment? He says, well, if anybody's going to tell me what it is uh, that I need to be doing up here, it's going to be you, so you're sticking up here. And I stayed in the uh, chief's office there for another two and a half years, so seven total years upon the seventh floor. And you learn about the interconnectedness of the police department, the community, other governmental agencies, law enforcement, other law enforcement agencies, the media, really get a first-class seat to all of the um, how the police department functions, how leadership functions, decision-making. We went through some critical periods there, and uh, to me it was quite a baptism, and it helped me as I became the commanding And when I got promoted in 1999 and finally left the 7th floor of the Chief's Office to become the uh, commanding officer of the 3rd District, then at 47th and Elite, um, where we had institutions like Miller Brewery, Harley-Davidson, Master Lock, Marquette University, uh, major institutions. And somehow it was my responsibility to bridge those uh, institutions to keep all of the third district safe to, yeah, major institutions like that. But you also have some um, troubled neighborhoods, uh, Metcalf Park neighborhood, portions of uh, uh, Washington Park uh, neighborhood. And also uh, uh, Midtown, as they call it, our our neighborhoods challenged by violence and poverty and and a host of other issues. So, again, it was a great baptism. I think those are the things that have prepared me best to become the next Milwaukee County Sheriff. You know, my education aside, graduate of Marquette University, criminology and law studies, uh, graduate of three management uh, schools, the FBI National Academy. Uh, in Quantico, Virginia, the Senior Management Institute for Policing in Boston, and Northwestern University Center for Public Safety in uh, Evanston, Illinois. All my education aside, I've learned from my experiences that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And what's important for me that I've got to show, not only in my time in all my positions prior. But moving forward as I journey into this next position is that despite my 25 years in the Milwaukee Police Department, despite my 16 years at Major League Baseball, despite all my degrees and certificates, despite all of the experiences that I've had, people want to know how much you care, not how much you know. And so that's the thing that I want to best bring to this job and this opportunity is show people that I'm passionate about what it is I do, show people that I care about what it is that I do, being this young boy from the central city of Milwaukee who's had opportunity after opportunity afforded him. Grandmother coming from Alabama to raise him, encounter with a police officer, shot in the line of duty, assignment to the seventh floor, appointment as a commanding officer, and then to get this wonderful opportunity to join Major League Baseball. All of that, notwithstanding, what people want to know is is that, do you care? And I think that's the thing that I'll uh, bring uh, with me as the best asset and tool that I have to be the next year.
2: And the group of people who are going to be looking to you to see that you care, one of the many groups that are going to be looking to you, are the the sheriffs themselves and the people who are out on the front lines Trying to keep Milwaukee safe. So while you were police captain, what was your approach to management? How did you try to build a culture and keep morale high among those Milwaukee police officers?
0: I believe in um, inspirational leadership. Again, when you think about my story, particularly in law enforcement, you're involved in any type of uh, deadly force incident. It kind of raises the bar for that individual, whether you're either using uh, deadly force or, uh, again, a victim of gun violence. And so, you know, my creds, if you will, were such that everybody said, well, okay, got to give this guy all respect in the world. Because he could have, one, not been here. But two, he could have chose to just go and collect the check and that would have been it for the rest of his life. But he's here. So it guys got to really care about this. I want young people to be inspired by my example, by my story. I want people to be uh, inspired to go out and do their job to the very best of their ability. I want people to go out and say, well, if Ernell could do all the things he's done, the things that he's accomplished, then there's nothing that can hold me back from doing the things that I want to do on this job. And so it's by allowing people to relax, do their jobs, and participate in in the process of leading and guiding the the mission of the police department, of the district. That's how I I think I get along well with the rank and file. You know, again, I I want to give young leaders an opportunity to uh, go out and be leaders. Uh, Make mistakes. No one's going to support you more than myself if you go out there in the effort, in the act of commission, and make a mistake. Um, But don't let your mistakes be acts of omission, where you refuse to step up, where you refuse to step in that position, because some other young officer is dependent on you. So I ask and, 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 and require my people to be leaders. And in every instance where there was an opportunity for me to counsel or coach, again, I never missed out on that opportunity. And I'm very proud of some of the Current uh, commanders in the Milwaukee Police Department that had the opportunity to work under me, the job that they're doing, and a lot of them never let me forget that it was because of you that uh, I'm able to do what I am. I'm doing so I'm I'm honored by that. Uh,
1: One question I'd love to ask all of our guests is: uh, What is your most proud accomplishment?
0: Ooh, Um, oh my goodness! Um, I I, I count, no doubt, my uh, the birth of my two children. And uh, the marriage to my wife is certainly uh, the proudest accomplishment to date. But if I had to say two, one, uh, I was the incident commander on the night that the big blue crane collapsed here in Milwaukee back in uh, 1999 that killed three iron workers. And the job that the officers that the first responders to that incident uh, made me very proud because as the commanding officer of the district, you become by virtue of that the incident commander. And it's just not enough for me to go in and begin the process of recovering, you know, the remains of the three ironworkers and collecting evidence and things like that. An incident commander bears the responsibility for that entire area, that entire uh, crime scene. So as officials arrive, the mayor, the district attorney, the police chief, and others. They are coming and re- reporting into you and want to know what it is uh, that they need to know, carry out their functions and responsibility. And for me to have the awesome authority of uh, the men and women that responded to and performed that night was truly a high honor. I think um, I was relieved in the early morning hours that incident occurred about 4:30 or so uh, in the afternoon. And I was relieved at about the same time the following morning. But my responsibility was to those young men and women that responded there because not knowing how many of them have dealt with trauma, have dealt with the loss of life, as a commanding officer, you have that responsibility to ensure their well-being, uh, that they get the uh, uh, treatment or certainly get the resources that they need if, in fact, they can't handle um, what all uh, they witnessed there. And uh, so that was probably uh, my most proudest accomplishment in day-to-day law enforcement. In baseball, I would have to count uh, my experience in uh, 2009 as the um, vice president of security and facility management at baseball. When a young president, Barack Obama, came and threw out the first pitch at the 2009 All-Star Game in St. Louis, it had to be the proudest moment that I had in uh, baseball, uh, because I was responsible for uh, Major League Baseball's response to and coordination of security in St. Louis and with the Secret Service to ensure what they call a national security event, a SEER one, meaning every resource available to the government uh, is in, in play here because the President of the United States, um, is, is going to be present. Truly had to be one of the highest
2: accomplishments in my professional career. And so eventually you joined the Milwaukee Police Department. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of the lessons you've learned of being a police officer in terms of keeping communities safe, maintaining, you know, positive relationships with the community and, and the police force. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, I'll I tell you, it was quite an
0: experience for me. In 1979 is when I completed my time as a cadet, went to the academy for 23 weeks now you come out and become a patrol officer, and I was assigned to the um, uh, lower east side of Milwaukee, very affluent area. Uh, area heretofore not um, policed by uh, someone that looks like me. Um, if you recall, Milwaukee had a chief here who keep, kept officers of color on the north side and um, kept the south side strictly uh, for. White officers to patrol. So to be assigned to the an affluent area on the east side, I encountered some 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 things in life. I was just sharing with with some members of my team. You know, recall going to a home where you know, when we knocked at the door and uh, um, for a call for service, and we sensed that somebody had to be at home, but we weren't getting an answer at the door. And so as I was making my way to the back door. Uh, the caller opened the door and told my partner that he could come in, but that I couldn't come through the front door. And so it was an experience that was like, wow, this is 1979, 80. And you would think that you know, times have changed, but still there was a period there. But you know, still my faith in people, my faith in uh, this profession, and my faith in, in my abilities to work through differences, through different uh, races, through different uh, socio-economic perspectives, it kept me, you know, wanting to still serve and do this profession. I, uh, in 1982, I was at a call on a New Year's Day uh, for a disturbance early in the morning, New Year's Day, and a uh, woman complained that meets us uh, at the door and tells us that her neighbor is, is in a housing complex on the on the near uh, north side. She tells us that the neighbor is making noise in, in the lower unit, to which we could hear a television and maybe some type of an exhaust fan at best through the door from where we were standing. And so uh, we took the information from the caller, we began knocking on the door and having a dialogue with the, uh, with the gentleman. We were having a fairly good dialogue. Hey, this is the police. Open the door. We want to talk to you. No, 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 no. Go away, go away, go away. We need to talk to you and everything like that. And in the process of trying to have a dialogue with the gentleman, you could hear him knocking over things, uh, glass shattering and other things. And after maybe several minutes of this, uh, we lost all dialogue with the gentleman. So now my instinct for his concern um, kicked in and so made a decision to go have a manager come open the door. Um, so we could check on his well-being. And we did just that, went and got the manager, brought her over, opened the door, and when we opened the door, we saw uh, the individual barricaded in the floor with a 12-gauge shotgun pointed at the door. And so now it was a question of how do my partner and I get out of this common hallway and um, get to safety. We started calling for additional help. It's a New Year's Day, 10 inches of snow, cold, one of the coldest days on record. And um, so I basically had to jump across the threshold of the door, kick open the door, and um, take a position behind the door that I could get a a view of uh, the individual seated in the floor, while at the same time uh, getting my partner to come out, and he was more behind a secure position behind the uh, concrete side of the, uh, the building. We called for additional help, waiting for additional help, and in the process, i was still trying to get the individual to put the weapon down. The, the complainant began coming down the stairs again, at which point I, I gave up my position and said, Lady, don't come down the stairs. And I don't know if I got all of those words out. Uh, that was my intent. But uh, in that process, the individual fired one round that struck me in the right temple. I still have pellets all on the right side of my face. From the blast, um, the glasses that I was wearing on that New Year's Day, they found in the snow. Uh, With the lens, right lens shattered out, got pellets embedded all in the orbital bone here, and suffer from a little uh, issue with my TMJ that resulted from the severing of um, my tendons on the right side of my face. But um, at a time when we didn't have a limited duty program, and at a time when I had a two week old daughter and a two year old son, I knew that, you know, if the Lord was gonna allow me to live, um, that I was going to get back up and get back out and after six months of rehabilitation and recuperation, I did just that guys. Um, it was a difficult period but you asked the question about what did I learn at the end of the day um, if you're committed to this profession um, you, you 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 want to go out there with the attitude of serving and protecting people I knew that despite my injuries if I could overcome my injuries um, I, I wanted to get back out there and serve this community and um, it's guided me through my 25-year career. I went on to have some other successes. but um, It's to have the faith and trust in this profession, to have the faith and trust in, in belief in the goodness of people. But more importantly, is to have the um, unwavering confidence in your ability. And, and again, given what I've been through, uh, both as a African-American and then as somebody who's been a victim of uh, gun violence, you know, I've overcome quite a bit to be who I am and do what I've done. I'm um, going to leave you uh, with your last um, uh, question with something again uh, that I learned from Dr. King is that um, he said true greatness doesn't come by favoritism; it comes by fitness, and that he who is greatest among you will be your servant. And everybody can be great because everybody can serve. And so in this thing called keeping this community safe and law enforcement, all of us can play a role. I don't care how big or how small. Everybody can't be the police chief or everybody can't be the sheriff, but everybody can play a role. And I think if we all go out here and do what Dr. King said, uh, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures or sweep streets like uh, Beethoven composed music or sweep streets so well that Anyone coming down to earth would say, here lived the greatest street sweeper that ever lived. All I'm asking for everybody to do in this thing called keeping Milwaukee County safe and making Milwaukee County strong is be your best. Do your best at being the best parent, the best teacher, the best student, uh, the best worker, Whatever it is you do, be the best, and we all can make contributions and make our community a better and a
1: safer place. Um, where the city? Well, um, where the city?
2: Yeah, you. Well, you, We have to end the podcast there. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else left to say after that. So. Uh,
1: thank you so much for your time. No, no, no. So Eduardo, yeah, pretty, we uh, finished this interview. I think it was around 10:30 almost PM. It was a late interview. It was only planned to be 30 minutes, maybe. It ended up being over an hour. So what were some some pretty big takeaways, or you know, what is what is your conclusion from this episode?
2: For me, the takeaway actually came before the interview officially started. So allow me to set the scene. Ben had started uh, the recording, and we were talking about how. In the upcoming policing episode, listeners stay tuned, Bridges City was going to include a bunch of different people, academics, community groups, uh, police officers, when Ernell chimed in. Just
0: uh, one thing i was going to uh, mention as it relates to the, the number of uh, interviews that you said you were going to be you know, seeking uh, yeah. for, for purpose. Uh, certainly talk with some youth mm-hmm. um, to get their perspective of policing what needs to happen, change, um, enhance, improve um, relations with the police and the community because they bring a perspective that I don't think even practitioners often seek, let alone would um, consult. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because yeah. uh, a lot of the answers there lie to a lot of the issues that we have
2: in the profession. So I just wanted to mention it to you. Know, you so. yeah, good, so I'm done. And the reason I chose this as my takeaway is because in order to have effective policing, you need to bring in a lot of different groups that are gonna be affected by the policing. As we heard in the interview with now. He brought together people like Marquette, Miller Coors when he was the police captain, and bringing in youth and people that traditionally haven't been included in our conversations about what effective policing, keeping communities safe entails, bringing in youth in those groups that traditionally haven't been in. Included is really important to keeping communities safe. And Ben, what was your takeaway from the interview?
1: So for me, my takeaway is how important the role of county sheriff really is and how, as a community, every elected official, particularly those at the local level, play a vital role in how we experience Milwaukee. I think about all of my favorite parts of Milwaukee, the components that make the city great. And one that comes to the top of the list are our county parks, the beach, and to think that the person who's in charge, the leadership at the very top is an elected official in terms of how those places and spaces are going to be kept safe means this election and the role of county sheriff is not only important for safety and law enforcement purposes, but important for how we experience the city. And I want my experience and the experience of everyone in Milwaukee to be safe, dignified, and enjoyable. So get out to vote. Primary is tomorrow, August 14th. And as always, let us know what you think of the episode. Comment, share, tell your friends. Please get engaged. Be the best, whatever you are, as Ernell said. And let us know how you've helped bridge the city. Bridge the city.
0: Whoa.